This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. As an introduction to our subject, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. We've just read from John chapter 16, from which this is taken. It is a saying recorded this way in the New International Version of the Bible, which is the version we are using. It is the last of five times that John records him saying, I have told you. If we were using another version, we would have encountered slightly slight differences in the wording. But each of these five, five sayings conveys the sense that Jesus was telling his disciples a particular matter relevant to them at that particular stage in his life. It is fitting, therefore, that we look at the other instances where this phrase occurs, as they build up to and add to the understanding that we can gain from considering this subject for our consideration today. They are all contained within the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through to 16, and they cover a period that is generally considered to relate to the time between Jesus instituting the Last Supper and his crucifixion. Now this timing emphasises the importance that his disciples paid attention to what Jesus said before un undergoing his ordeals of arrest, trials, being despised, enduring suffering and before eventually being crucified. If we start in John chapter 14, we see there that the chapter starts, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And that passage sets the tone for the whole of the chapter as well as the next two, letting the disciples know very explicitly that Jesus is going to be leaving them. But when he does so, it is so that he can prepare for coming back to be with him, be, be with them. The fact that there is no time period specified here is significant as that implies that whenever that time arrives, there has to be a state of readiness for it, as had been explained by Jesus in some of his parables concerning the kingdom. We've got to recognise that this passage is often misapplied, as some people take it to mean that because Jesus ascended to heaven after his res resurrection, his followers, his believers also will. But that's not what Jesus said. Such a belief would be totally inconsistent with promises God made to the patriarchs Abram, Isaac, Jacob of inheriting a specific territory of the earth. That would also be contrary to such a promise that God made, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And neither would it be in accord with Jesus teaching his disciples to pray 
thy reign come, thy will come to pass, as in heaven, also on the earth. Jesus had spent a considerable time with his disciples. They would have been able to see how he taught the people he encountered. When others came to him to be healed, he readily healed them. Besides that, there were times he spent specifically teaching his disciples. No wonder they may have had concerns about Jesus no longer being with them when they had been in his company for so much of the time. But within this chapter, he explained two particular things. They could ask through prayer for the help that they would need once he had left them. Left them. And it would be given and they would have the benefit of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we come to the end of that chapter, where we read the first of the five instances of I have told you. And they're found in verses 28 and 29. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. So even after his disciples had been with him for over three years, what Jesus said was so that they might believe. Believe what, however? The commandments Jesus had given them and spoken about, which they were to follow. Also the assurance of the help that they would need to perform the work for which he had been training them. Additionally, the passage includes what Jesus had been teaching in his ministry, that the Father was greater than himself, and should have been a cause for the disciples to rejoice in that Jesus, the one who they were looking up to, had always shown his Father to be greater than himself. So this doctrine destroys the widespread misconception of the doctrine that taught that Jesus was part of a trinity of co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent beings of God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That doctrine also undermines the fact that Jesus could continually say that he was doing the work that his Father had given him to do, and that he was teaching what his Father had taught him. We now turn to John 15 at verse 9, the second instance of I have told you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus has explained at the beginning of this chapter that he is the true vine and the disciples are the branches and in this way showed the dependence of the branches on the vine itself. Just as the vine naturally produces by supplying the branches with the necessary nutrients and fluid so Jesus, as the true vine, supplies the, the essential ingredients for men and women as branches of that vine to grow in such a way that they produce the required fruitfulness. 
Jesus portrays his love for his disciples that needs to be reciprocated to that to him. Again, for disciples of Jesus to be of benefit to him, they must obey him. They must draw on the true doctrines he taught. They must draw on the examples within life that are shown to be acceptable and pleasing to him, just as he pleased his Father, the Lord God. The result of this reciprocal love is that Jesus and his disciples may also have reciprocal joy. As he had showed earlier in the chapter, the branches that don't bear fruit are of no use whatsoever, and they would be destroyed. In fact, this is a picture derived from the Old Testament, from Ezekiel's prophecy, when the wood of the vine is shown to be only fit for the fire, as it cannot be crafted into anything that is useful. For anyone who has seen a vine with the knurled and twisted branches, you will know what is meant about it not being of any use other than to bear fruit. In the next passage we come to the third and the fourth instances of Jesus saying, I have told you, and that they are both in John chapter 15 and the following verses into chapter 16. And it starts at John 15 at verse 26. When the advocate, and I would add that some editions even of the New International Version have comforter here, when the advocate or the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when their time comes you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you. Jesus had already explained that the disciples would benefit from the power of the Holy Spirit, and he did so again after having described how the world would hate them. The world would persecute them, just as it had been hating and rejecting Jesus and the message of hope that he conveyed, of the hope of salvation. And despite that, they had a duty to share their knowledge and experiences with others. Yet Jesus was warning them so that they would not fall away, or as other versions have, be offended or stumble. They would then be unable to say that they had not been warned of how the message they would preach would be rejected, and they would also suffer. And that was Jesus also encouraged them to persevere with their call to service. So now we come to the title of this talk, is contained in John chapter 16 at verse 32 and 33. The time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. 
I have overcome the world. Earlier verses in this chapter show that because Jesus was leaving the disciples to go to his Father, they would have grief, whilst the world about them would be rejoicing. It's not uncommon for people to laugh or ridicule people or causes that they don't understand or want to know about. We can consider a prime example of that. When there was the flood in the time of Noah, this one such example. He had certainly told the people round about him what was happening, even building a boat in land, so by what he was doing would have seemed ridiculous to them. But Peter, in his second letter, had obviously heeded Jesus' message, for he warned the early church that as it was in Noah's day, so it would happen in the last days. People would scoff, not wanting to know what the message passed to the disciples was. Now consider what happened in the time of Noah. Noah and his family were prepared for the flood when it came. Everybody else lost their lives. And so if Peter's saying that's what's going to happen at the last days, that's a warning. Yet here Jesus was saying that the disciples would leave him alone. Matthew wrote of the time when Jesus was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we read quite simply these words. Then all the disciples, having left him, fled. This was a time when we may initially have thought that Jesus would have most needed his disciples to be with him. But no, he had to go through what he did and face the personal challenges that were associated with that. We then begin to realise how Jesus was forward-looking when he said, I have overcome the world, and that his mind was resolute on what he had to accomplish, to the extent that he could say that expression as if it had already been accomplished. So we ask the question, how would the disciples have peace by Jesus telling them all he did from the five situations that we have been considering? From what Jesus had said about the disciples having to face the world and hostilities, persecution, even death, peace quite clearly did not mean that they would live in a world by being at harmony with it. To have had peace in that way would have meant compromising the standard of life that was lived by Jesus, in which he did those things that pleased his Father, rather than those that were around him. It did not mean that they would not have times when they could have drifted away from what they had been taught, so as to have a less strenuous or trying path through life. They would need uplifted. They would need supported, and they were given assurance they would receive that even though Jesus was not physically with them, they would have that ability to carry on and do what they had been called to do. It did not mean they would be without guidance as to what they were required to undertake to meet the requirements of being a disciple of Jesus. For they had been given assurance that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But what it did mean is that when times of adversity arose, 
they could take advantage, they could avail themselves of prayer, knowing that encouragement of Jesus to pray for those things that they needed and the help that they needed would be granted. What it did mean was that with Jesus having explained in his teachings within his ministry and directly to his disciples about the kingdom, of repentance, of the life of attempting to live according to God's standards and not conforming to the world's standards, there was for them the certain hope of being within that kingdom with a job of work to do for him. Jesus had already told them that when they asked him what they would receive for having left everything to follow him, they would be given a specific job. These five passages emphasize so forcibly Jesus doing so much for his father. He did this by fully fulfilling so much of what the Old Testament writers had described him as completing, completing and suffering in the way that he knew. He had to, in order to live that life of total obedience, sacrificing his own desires and following those required by God. Such examples as shown in the life of Jesus would encourage his disciples to follow such a pattern of life. They would become fully assured that if God did that much for effecting so great a salvation, they too would be helped in their lives to, what Jesus, to do what Jesus had told them to do, together with the qualities of life pleasing to God. So what does this mean for us living about 2,000 years later? On the face of it, we are living at a time when peace evades so much of the world. We've seen it so much in recent times. We've seen unrest, whether in demonstrations, whether in poverty spread across many areas of the world, wars raging both within and between cultures, and we see unrest and dissatisfaction within communities. We live amongst so many people who have no belief in a supreme God, let alone that he has a plan for populating this world in which we live with people who want to obey him, doing what pleases him. Now the Bible contains a record of, a prophecy, of prophecies of the time when Jesus returns, when this situation exists, as people prefer normally to do what they please and even consider it that it is their right to do so. It's true that God gave man free will. But Jesus, in these five instances we have seen and been considering, show that those who really take note of what he said will be obeying him. They'll be choosing to believe him, will give him joy, will persevere. They will hold on to the message that he's imparted to them, together with that means of salvation that he has brought to us. Even in times of trials and conflict, because of his maintaining the life of adhering to Jesus' teachings, his followers can remember that what is happening to them is exactly what Jesus said would happen, and have confidence in all else he promised to those who are faithful to his message. It may seem hard and far away from aspects of peace as we would might have conceived it, but the peace in this situation is a far deeper peace than the temporary harmony and the lack of conflict of everyday life. 
Even in troublesome times, Jesus said that, In me ye may have peace. Because that whatever happens to us, if we, like the disciples, are his followers, and if we are truly following his commandments, we can have that hope of salvation from sin and death when he returns to transform this world from its current turmoil and conflict to that promised world that gives God praise and glory. In summary, therefore, the peace that you and I can have even now depends on the degree to which you and we are prepared to believe Jesus' message, believe that he came into the world to set up a world in which he will be king over it and keep firm and steadfast whatever we encounter in life. As Jesus told his disciples, even if they became scattered, they would have peace. Jesus' overall message is of saving a world in distress. The standards are set in scripture, and it's up to each of us whether we are willing to, and prepared to prepare for that time, whatever the cost now, whether we have peace now, in the sense of having confidence and trust in the assurances that Jesus has given, and have the hope of life in God's kingdom even if it means waiting for resurrection upon his return to this earth. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.